Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the football pandemic heading into the championship weekend. A lot going on in America, a lot going on in the world, and a lot going on in football. Stick around and we'll talk about it all. Well, guys, we are here on Inauguration Day. We have sworn in a new president, and a new presidency has started. Uh, But in the world of football, we are not quite yet to that new presidency. Who will be the the champion? We still have a couple weeks of good football left, uh, heading into, actually, uh, our championship weekend. But let's not go there. Before we look back at the week that just passed. Let's just jump right into the games that have happened uh, this last weekend, talk about some of those. And we're going to start with uh, uh, just going in order of the, that the games happened. We're going to start with the, the Rams and the Packers. Brandon, why don't you kick us off on that? Yeah, this was a uh, very good week for me. Uh, I enjoyed the Green Bay game. The Packers won 32-18 against the Los Angeles Rams, yeah. who going into the game, it was the number one offense versus the number one defense. So very, very tight matchup. And uh, the score was a bit bigger than a lot of people may have predicted, uh, which I think bodes well for how well this Green Bay offense is gelling right now. And I do want to point out something in the Super Bowl era. So we're looking at mid to late 60s, the top four games with an offense against the number one defense and how many yards they've produced. And I'm going to go ahead and go through those. The fourth best game, the number one defense was the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2011. The Broncos played them and had 447 yards of offense. Mm -hmm. In 2017, the Minnesota Vikings had the number one defense. The Eagles went in there and got 456 yards of offense. Mm -hmm. In 2009, and remember, 2009, don't, don't think about this too much, the Jets had the number one defense <laughs> and the Colts went in and had 461 yards of total offense. And they've held that record since 2009, the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm proud to say that this playoff game, the Green Bay Packers surpassed that with 484 yards of total offense. Another record bites the dust in Indy. Ugh. Yeah, slowly. And I, I feel like I've talked about that a lot uh, throughout this season on the podcast about, Oh, Rogers surpassed, so-and-so on the Colts or this receiver surpassed a Colts player, but it was really impressive. And I'm really proud that we have that. And we're gelling at this level right now. I also want to jump to the defensive side of the ball really quick and talk about Jair Alexander, in my opinion, better than Jalen Ramsey. He's more consistent. (laughs) You wanted that to be stressed last week. We kind of said Jalen Ramsey, if anybody could do it and you just sit there biding your time. Now this week, you're going to let us have it, right? Yep. So, and I'm going to use examples from this game and I, I understand Cooper cup was out, you know, he was up against Robert Woods and uh, Reynolds and whoever else they were throwing in there. Uh, But he's the first corner since 2006 to allow negative yards in a playoff game. He allowed one catch for negative three yards. So you're, you're happy with that. You're saying I will take negative yards (laughs) all day. I don't care how many completions you get as long as they're all negative yards. And Jair Alexander shutting you down. I'm a happy Packers fan. This was a 14-point game. It should have been a bigger blowout, honestly. With that yardage total against that defense, it's super impressive. You know, overall, the, the Packers weren't as good as they usually are in the red zone in this game. I mean, it seems like every time they're down there, Aaron Rodgers is throwing to someone for a touchdown on, on a play fake or, or whatever. But the Rams were able to hold the Packers to field goals a couple times. But overall, offensively, L.A. just not able to keep up in this one. Two of eight on third down. Jared Goff in the cold only threw for 174 yards. Overall, just Green Bay was a better team, and and they took care of business. Yeah, the Bucks. we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. They had to beat a running game, basically. Um, Alvin Kamara. Uh, but this coming week, they're going to have to beat an arm. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be tougher for them, I think. Again, we'll get to that later. Good job, Pack. Yeah, let's go ahead and look at our next game. Uh, we have the Buffalo Bills defeated the Ravens 17-3. to And in that game, we saw Lamar Jackson get injured. Now, I don't know if you guys watched this game, but when I was watching it, I saw Lamar go to the locker room like, oh, 
he's going to poop and come out and win. And, <laughs> and that did not happen. Yeah, they, they referenced the last time he went out, but he did not come back this time, and they did not look close to, to winning in this game. They looked uh, overwhelmed in, in all phases of the game. The Bills played well. I think this game was kind of the most hyped up game in terms of, wow, the, those two offenses, those two quarterbacks, it's going to be a shootout. And then it was like three to three for like what seemed like most of the game. Yeah. The biggest play in that game was the pick six by uh, Teron Johnson. Of course, the guy who uh, famously got hit in the head, looked the wrong way during a combine drill and then has that moment. And yeah, no, that's uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Buffalo's defense, really just holding down Lamar Jackson not letting him make too many big plays. Of course, he did get injured. And if it's him throwing that long pass instead of Tyler Huntley later in the game where it, he sailed it in the, in the wind, uh, mind you, that was a big part of this game too, was you could literally see the goalposts like yeah. shaking in the wind. And wind was huge. That, and that led to you know Justin Tucker missing a couple of field goals, and he doesn't miss anything. He's about as automatic as it gets, but it, that could have been a close, a little bit closer if they get that long touchdown to Marquise Brown. But you know, regardless, Buffalo, they really did look like the better team. That interception is huge. I mean, turnovers can decide a game like this, especially when it's a pick six. And ultimately, that's what happened. And, uh, you know, they, they were talking about like even taking snaps from the shotgun was hard with that wind, uh, having to hike the ball that far. That's part of the home field advantage for Buffalo right there. Um, they got the elements. They got something they were a little more used to. Now, Josh Allen likes to throw the ball, and he didn't get to throw it nearly as much because of that wind. At least, uh, you know, some that looked inaccurate were because the wind carried it. Uh, but they ended up winning, and um, the Ravens had no answer for what to do there. I'm for the Bills. I wanted them to win against the Ravens. Not going to lie. I want them to win next week, too, against the Bucks. Again, we'll come to that game. I keep referencing that Bucks team, don't I? I don't know why. Yeah, against the Chiefs. <laughs> Browns against the Chiefs were the next team, uh, the next game that happened. And that was a heartbreaker for me, guys. I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for the Browns in this one. Uh, I'm I'm not in favor of any new dynasties coming along. I'm over Patrick Mahomes hype. I mean, I know he is good. I'm not saying he's overhyped. I'm saying I'm over it. I was really, really hoping they could pull that out. And they had every chance. Baker Mayfield, that was, he had his opportunities. It's not like he just couldn't get the breaks. Uh, there on that last drive, they they had the opportunity to to take the lead. Didn't do it. Yeah, and I'm sure like there's some Homer Cleveland fans out there who say, well, you know, we only lost by five. And then there was the Rashard Higgins play where he loses the ball at the pylon. It's a touchback. It mm-hmm. should have been a helmet to helmet. The uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Sorensen definitely led with his helmet. But regardless... You know, Kevin Stefanski said in the post game, hey, we teach our guys don't go for it there. It can be enticing to want to, you know, dive for the end zone and extend the ball there, but we don't teach that. So that's just a mistake. And you got to know the rules. That touchback rule, I know a lot of people aren't a fan of it, but regardless, it's the rule. You got to be able to do better than that. But regardless, the Chiefs were really moving the ball. By the time Mahomes got hurt, he was already kind of hobbled, kind of limping around before that head injury where of course the concussion he's still in protocol who we don't know if he's going to play yet for next week but that was like the biggest break the browns could have gotten in that game for sure if i'm a browns fan you don't want to root for injuries you hate you you know you you hope patrick mahomes you hope you hope his brain is okay obviously there's you step away from from the fan element at that point but you see that happen you go we got a chance we got a chance we're in this thing and they did have a chance they got the interception from Chad Henney. And do you punt with four minutes left on, what was it, fourth and nine, I think? I think they had it fourth and nine and then punted it and hoped yeah. their defense could get a stop. Of course, the Chiefs, they get it done. I loved Tony Romo on that on that call mm-hmm. where he, yeah. he declares the Chiefs the winner. They're moving on. No, hang on, Tony. They're all short. <laughs> and then he says they're not going to snap it, and they do. And that's... I think all of us were kind of thinking think that, yeah, you know, he's right. They're not going to snap it. And it was this moment of shock where they snap it, pick up the first down, and the Chiefs are moving on. That was a, a gutsy play call. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Reed. I love that because I am, I am so tired of watching them call everybody out on a fourth down, and it's so obvious they're just going to try and pull them off sides. And I'm like, everybody knows that you keep doing that. Why not just snap it and go? They're not ready for it. They're like holding so they don't go off sides. You've got an advantage here. So when he did that, I'm like, yeah. That split second is that, you know, the defense is kind of hesitating. They're not on their, right. they're just 
they're they're really not trying to to jump there. That little split second they can gain, especially for a team like the Chiefs, that can that can be the difference. And ultimately, it was. Yeah. The, the big thing though for for Cleveland, I think, is they threw the ball more than they ran it. That's a running football team. They got to control mm-hmm. the clock. They threw it 37 times, only ran it 22 times. They got to be more disciplined than that. They've got to be able to just stick to what they do well, and that's run the ball with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have the best running back duo in the NFL. Overall, they weren't able to sustain drives enough, put up enough points, where if they if they had stuck to the run game a little more, maybe they would, and they had a chance in this one, no doubt. But and I think yeah, Kansas City moves on. That touchback was the the momentum breaker in the game. They they had started momentum on their way, and if they would have scored that touchdown, I bet you would have seen a lot of running game from then on with them in the lead. But I think as bad as bad of luck as that was, uh, that caused them to make some bad decisions at that point in uh, just doing a lot of throwing and not able to get it done. Sad for the Browns. I really wanted to see the Browns and the Bills, these two teams who hadn't been in and for bajillion years. I wanted to see them get to the to the last game together. That would have been awesome. But we didn't. And now we've got the Bucks and the Saints uh, as our last game to look at before we start talking about uh, stuff that's coming down the road. But what did you guys see with the Bucks and the Saints? My biggest thing here, and this is would concern me if I'm a Buccaneers fan, they couldn't score a touchdown if they had to drive the length of the field. The only times they scored a touchdown is when the defense got the ball back and they were within their longest touchdown was 40 yards. They had another six yard touchdown and then a 20 yard touchdown. Those are give me touchdowns. They had to go the entire field and the best they could do was a field goal against the Saints defense. This bodes well for um, one Green Bay team. Yeah, you might think of it that way. Yeah. I mean, you look at the past matchup last time they played and that was about the one team that, you know, the Packers really struggled with was Tampa yeah, Bay. I, I don't think that, well, we'll get into that, but I don't think that's a valid <laughs> argument because the Saints blew them out twice in the season and then the Bucks came back to win in the playoffs. Sure. That's not a valid argument. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. Tom Brady, he plays, he plays so much different in the playoffs. He's like Peyton. Uh, if you play him in the regular season, he's just like average. He's okay. He does what he needs. But if you play him in the postseason on steroids, he can do like, he'll do anything to win. And he, he's proven to do that. There's a hunger switch that flips on in Tom Brady. When you hit playoff season, we'll see how well that does next week. But in this game against the uh, saints, it, it served them well. And uh, I think I, I mentioned it earlier. This was really a game where they were playing against Alvin Kamara, uh, an Alvin Kamara-led team, one that was going to be short passes with uh, you know yards after catch or runs. And uh, they, they held that in check. They did what they needed to. So uh, the defense did there. But I don't know if they're going to be able to stand up against all of the weapons they've got coming against them from Green Bay. Because they have a running game, they have those little short passes, they have the long bombs, and Aaron Rodgers has no problem throwing those where Drew Brees, he wasn't doing long bombs anymore. You're just not seeing that. Yeah, I do want to talk about Drew Brees, because I think this is, you know, the the rumor is out there that he's that, that was his last game. Yeah. And for him to go out and throw three picks in that game, Jared Cook had a fumble, you know, four turnovers. It's really hard to win a game with four turnovers, it is. Uh, especially in the playoffs. And I, outside of those four, four turnovers, I really thought the Saints looked like the better team throughout that whole game. And Brady played fairly well, but it, again, like you mentioned, it comes down to the turnovers. If it's, if there's a four turnover difference, you really should not lose that game. And Tampa Bay didn't, you know, you credit the defense more, I think for this win, you know, again, Brady was pressured some, I mean, that Saints defense is pretty good. I'd, I'd say the Saints do have a better defense than the Packers. It's, it's kind of close, mm-hmm. I'd say, but the, the Saints overall throughout the season played better defensively. So yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how, how do the Bucks play differently in this week coming up at, or is it a case of just playing a, a better defense in the Saints that kind of slowed that offense down, you know, when they did have to go the length of the field or, you know, is it just maybe this Bucks team is still just not quite there chemistry wise. We'll, we'll see. Josh, you were reading off the litany of injuries that Drew Brees had uh, before we started yeah. this podcast. What were, what were those things he had going on? Yeah. Let me pull it up. Cause then like his wife, he uh, put on Instagram that he, uh, through the whole season, so the 17 games or 16 games, and then the 17th, uh, 18, I guess, because of two wild card in the division round, he uh, suffered and played through 
a torn rotator cuff, a torn fascia or fascia in his foot, and 11 broken ribs and a collapsed lung throughout the whole season. That's quite a bit to work through in a season at his age. You know, Drew Brees has always been tough. He started with the shoulder injury that people thought he may not come back from that. And of course, he obviously proved everybody completely wrong and came back from that. Uh, and he's, he's been strong and durable, but he's probably getting to that point. Uh, and these, these um, rumors of retirement are probably true. But what I think we can all safely say is he will enter the Hall of Fame someday. He yeah. has done so much um, for so long. Uh, even when people thought he was finished after his first season, uh, it's good for Drew Brees. Good for Purdue. That's my alma mater, Purdue University. Drew Brees, go uh, Boilermakers and Saints. Yeah, and I think, obviously, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's He put up the stats. He did win the Super Bowl. That's something, even though he didn't win multiple Super Bowls, it's it's like, okay, he's, he's an all-time great quarterback. Right. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's all his fault that he only won one Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of the time when he was putting up his the video game numbers, the top fantasy performances, the defense was terrible for the Saints. Yeah. It's only been these last few years where the defense really got rebuilt and they played more of a balanced style as a team. So that's not all his fault. That was a great run back when they won that Super Bowl. I was I was rooting for him big time as you know they they were the Aints. They everyone <laughs> knew them as just this terrible team. Any previous Saints history before Drew Brees, I just think Archie Manning running around out there with no help. And that's right. kind of what the Saints history was before Breeze and, and Sean Payton took them to that Super Bowl, unfortunately, for Matthew against the Colts. Kept but us from getting our overall, second. Yeah, overall great career for Drew Brees. If this is it, he did say in the post game that he's gonna take some time and relax and I mean heal up, obviously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and think about what he wants to do. He can come back probably if he wants. For the Saints, I don't know. I yeah. you know, they did have the the touchdown to to Jameis Winston. The problem for the Saints, though, is their their cap situation is really, really messy. They've got a lot to lot to work out there. I don't know if a Drew Brees team friendly contract that would have to be how he comes back is he really helps them out. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. My guess is he doesn't. I was gonna say the question is, does he come back? Because he signed a two year contract, so he's technically still in a contract to play. So that was my question. Does he come like do you guys think he comes back? Let me ask this question. Uh, Matthew, how old are you? I am 49. We'll be 50 in July. You had to get that on air, didn't you? You just had to get that out there. (laughs) So Drew Brees is 42. And Matthew, if you can think back to when you were 42, if you went through all of those injuries as a football player, would you want to come back if you put yourself in Drew's shoes? When I put myself at 22, I wouldn't go through that. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I, I, I look at like Tom Brady and his age right now in relation to my age. And I'm like, there's no way I would have been doing the stuff he's doing. But I also don't look or train or act or eat or whatever, anything like Tom Brady. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think uh, Drew Brees, I think he probably is finished. Uh, you know, you never can say people thought he was finished after his first season, but uh, we'll see. We'll see where that Saints team goes. It'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. Let's go ahead and get into some of the big news that is happening around the league. This is the time of year where we see all the hirings and the firings and the people switching uh, uh, head office roles. What do we have going on in the NFL this week? Tristan? Yeah, so the main story is the, the hirings and firings. Well, mainly we've had the, the firings. Now we're on to the hirings. The Lions, they hired Dan Campbell as their head coach, former interim coach for the Dolphins and he was a tight ends coach that's mainly been his deal um what do you guys, I do you guys know who the, who Dan Campbell is what do you guys think about the hire here's what I know zero I don't know who this Dan Campbell is <laughs> yeah I barely know anything all I know is he played football he, he was a tight end for like eight years in the NFL then went on to become like a tight ends coach and assistant and was an assistant to the head coach and someone something other position for the Saints before he was hired he seems kind of like a, a rah-rah guy. I've heard him, I've heard some of his audio from his past where he said kind of the John Gruden things, that this is a football guy, and that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and that might be what, what it takes to to rebuild with the Lions because whatever messaging was coming from Matt Patricia clearly wasn't working. So I think that that motivator, that type of guy can can really help the Lions. So we have the Lions 
they've got a new head coach. Let's kind of recap here just for, for my benefit. What teams uh, that had head coach, head coaching vacancies have filled them? Who's still left? What, what's the picture of that look like? So Detroit filled theirs. Uh, we know the Jets filled theirs, correct? And yeah, who, who was that? Robert Sala, who was the so, 49ers defensive coordinator. Right, mm-hmm. right. And a lot of people are applauding that as a really good hire there. Yeah, I mean, that Niners defense was kind of fell off a bit this year, not necessarily the fault of, of Sala, mainly just the injuries. injuries mainly, yeah. And then before that, that was a, a, one of the top, maybe the top defense in the NFL last year at full strength. The Falcons also f- hired the Titans OC, Arthur, Arthur Smith as their head coach. Right. Yeah. I think that that could work out that the Titans office offense is pretty good. You know, they revitalize Ryan Tannehill's career, obviously having a running back like Derrick Henry helps, but it could be a, a bit of a retool or a, a full on rebuild for the Falcons. Chargers got Brandon Staley. Yeah. Who was the Rams right. defensive coordinator. Right. He was first year defensive coordinator for them and did some interesting things with a, a defense that has obviously the two studs and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But outside of that, a lot of question marks, a lot of unknowns. And it, it seems like he did a, a lot of smart things with that, that defense. So kind of the, the young hotshot hiree uh, for the chargers. And you know, what's interesting there, he's going from one LA market team to another LA market team that shares the same stadium, yeah. right? How weird is that? <laughs> might not even have to move. I he know. Just keep his office. <laughs> he just keeps his office. <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. With, uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's uh, a. Yeah. a big time college coach. What do you guys think? Will, what do you think that'll look like? You think there'll be success there? I mean, obviously, he's probably going to get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he said that was one of his main decisions of why he got the head coach. He's like, if we're getting Trevor Lawrence, I'm, I'm on the board. Smart. He's won everywhere he's went. He was at Utah. He was at Florida. Yeah, well, obviously, Florida, Ohio. Ohio State. I'm trying to think where a uh, Bowling Green. He was there before. Bowling as well. Green. Everywhere yeah. he's gone, he's won. But it's it's winning at a different level. Yeah. Obviously, he's had overwhelming talent at mainly Florida and Ohio State. Well, the big thing about college is Utah. You can get you can just give scholarships like crazy and get people. Yeah, you know, it's different than the NFL where you have a draft. Yeah, you can go get who you want if you can convince them to come. The yeah, difference I, in in talent between Ohio State. And Illinois, huge difference. You can just, you see it right away. It's 28 nothing in the first quarter. And you're like, well, okay, Ohio State's just way better. The difference between the very best team, the very worst NFL team, not all that, not all that much. It's, there's a reason there's the any given Sunday saying is because truly any team is talented enough to beat the other team. It's, it's, is, is Urban going to be able to win at this level? That's to be seen. Obviously he's shown a winning, winning pedigree where he's on, but. Winning in the in the NFL is just a totally different beast. Yeah, I watched his press conference that he gave just after he was hired, and he talked about how one of his best friends is uh, Hall of Famer coach Jimmy Johnson, and how he is arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. But he also did that transition from being a great college coach yep. to a great NFL coach. Yep, and people didn't know if he would when he came on. That was like a tricky uh, yeah. hiring. I think having. Having him there as him there as a mentor is gonna bode very well for him. And I, I like the way that this offense is set up. Uh you have DJ Chark, who's a monster receiver, and then you got Robinson in the backfield. Those are two really young guys, and I think they have the youngest defense in the NFL. Uh he's got a lot a lot of good stuff he can work with. Yeah, and if you Trevor maneuver your yeah. hirings correctly, this can be a, a danger for the AFC South. Yeah, unfortunate, but true. I, I think things are just getting tougher and tougher in the AFC South if Deshaun Watson stays. We'll get to that later. Uh, so that leaves just the Texans. Is that right? Just the Texans to fill the head. Philadelphia. And Philadelphia. And the Eagles. And Philadelphia. Who do you think will go to those places, guys? Well, I'm looking at some of the, the interviewing for the Eagles. Uh, Kellen Moore, they've talked to him. Dennis Allen of the Saints. Defensive coordinator. I don't know. They might go with a reactionary hire to their the previous guy in, in Doug Peterson, where it was his first head coaching job. Maybe they bring in someone with a head coaching pedigree, where it, it's kind of a retread per se. I mm-hmm. I don't know. In the NFL, it's you know who they're looking to hire, obviously who they're interviewing, but it, it could be a number of different guys. It seems like they've 
really looked around. Yeah, I haven't really heard too much about who has the inside track on that job. Unlike the Texans right now, well, we don't know who has the inside track, but we know that they have requested and the the did it happen via Zoom um, with the enemy? Uh, I thought the NFL said now they allowed people who are still in the playoffs via Zoom to interview, and I did that happen already? Yes, on so. Monday it was a virtual interview. Yes. So uh, do you think that that will happen? Um, I mean, he said he was only going to interview with places that had real potential. He turned down several interviews, but he did interview here where Deshaun Watson has said, this is the guy I want, or maybe I'm taking my ball and going home (laughs) or leaving town. Uh, What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I think that's the big key factor to this because they went through their GM hiring without consulting Deshaun Watson after they told Deshaun Watson hey, you're going to have a say in all of this. And if they do that again with the head coach, I guarantee Deshaun Watson is out of there. Yeah. Um, But if maybe if they bring in this head coach and he's like, okay, so they are listening to me and maybe I can now see why they went with this GM route. uh, I'll stay in. I'll stay in Houston. It could be a real domino effect where if I'm Eric Bieniemy and I'm in the, if I'm meeting with the Texans, I'll say, all right, you know, I'll, I'm interested in the job, but let me know what Deshaun Watson's thinking. Like, let me talk to him and say, all right, if, if, if I am hired, are you good? Are you on board? Because if he's not on board, this suddenly turns into a kind of a disastrous job where you don't have your <laughs> draft picks. You don't have Deshaun Watson. I don't know if, if, if I'm Eric B and I don't have Deshaun Watson and it's just a full on rebuild. No, I don't know if I want that. When he was talking so about a job that looks like the right job, that is not a job that looks like the right job to not have Watson no. and have uh, an aging possibly leaving J.J. Watt as well, having a team that is just bereft of like good talent because they already got rid of DeAndre Hopkins and you have no draft picks because you traded them all to Miami, letting them have number three overall or whatever. Yeah, that would look like a, a disaster without Deshaun Watson. And he has to has to be like trying to get some bead on what's the likelihood of you being here. I would be, I would be the same way. I need to talk to Deshaun Watson. That leads us to uh, wonder, you know, with all of these uh, people who were in the hiring process, they're going to hopefully be back with their own teams. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to send us into... <laughs> I win in your face! Yeah! How do you like stem apples? Woo-hoo-hoo! Go! The Homer highlight section. And I'm going to start with the Colts because one of the things I was really worried about was Matt Eberflus, our defensive coordinator being taken from us. Uh, He's improved Indy's defense since he's gotten here. When we have a defense that helps, it really, you know, that's with every team, it makes a huge difference. So uh, I'm hoping that we still have Matt Eberflus as well as uh, several of our other key parts that didn't go to places for uh, GM positions they interviewed for. And so hopefully we have all those people back and that looks good. Big news for us, and I know you all know it, on Inauguration Day as uh, one president left office and another one started. We have a quarterback situation happening the same way. Our quarterback announced his retirement. Philip Rivers said he is going to go play or coach Alabama football for high school team down in Southern Alabama. And the Colts are now officially moving to someone else as their starting quarterback. The scary part is we have no idea where that's going to come from because we don't have a good high draft pick. We don't, uh, who knows what's going to happen with free agency. You know, there's the Sam Bradford, Darnold, uh, Darnold. Bradford. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that Bradford. is a blast is from the past, there. isn't it? He's, he's out there. <laughs> Do you know, he was, the, by the way, he was the last number one, he was number one overall, right? He was the last yeah. number one overall pick to get that huge money before they like mm-hmm. started this structured thing where uh, rookies get less money. He got like a hundred and something million, like as a brand mm-hmm. new rookie. That's crazy to think about that. But um, Sam Darnold, I know Sam Darnold's out there. Uh, I know Carson Wentz possibly, you know, who knows what's going on with that. There, there are some free agent like whisperings. We could always get RG3, right? We had Andrew Luck. RG3 was cut. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Go think back to that draft don't don't think we're going to do that because the other person we got from that draft, we would have had the top three from that draft class if we did that because we also correct. got Trent Richardson, <laughs> which was That's a right. horrible mistake. Thank you, Ryan Grigson. Um, Mitch Trubisky? No, we do not want Mitch Trubisky. And I I don't even want that name floated. Let's just not even mention him and throw that out into the ether because we don't need those sorts of thoughts happening. And uh, I would pray that Chris Ballard, being the great GM he is, would just 
kind of chuckle at the thought that that would even be a possibility. Let's pray. But it does bring up a lot of questions for the offseason. What are we going to do for quarterback? You know, do we do we believe Jacob Eason is progressing? I don't think they've given that vote of confidence. <laughs> Chris Ballard talking about him said, you know, he's been coming along and, you know, we, we want to see where he matures into. But nothing in the way Chris Ballard talked said Jacob Eason is our guy. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is on our roster. He hasn't seemed to been our guy either, even though he's like great for the locker room. I don't know. So I have a question. I know Andrew Luck has been very quiet since he's left and he's, that you know, he's a quiet fabulous. guy, leaves, <laughs> lives his own life. Uh, and I, I tried to look stuff up on him the other day and I couldn't find anything on what he was doing other than like reading some books for a book club. Now, <laughs> what would be the possibility that they're like, Andrew, just come back for one season. We'll pay you well, just so we can get this organization back and going. One season is all we want. Don't see it happening. No, I I really think Andrew Luck is a very unflappable guy. And I think he decided. And I think the fact that, so there was comments that Anthony Costanzo, our left tackle, who's been our left tackle for 10 years, retired. Was it last week? When he retired, he talked a lot with Andrew Luck about why he made that decision and and uh, said he you know felt good about it. I don't think if Andrew Luck was even thinking a possibility of coming back, he would say, yeah, Anthony, why don't you go ahead and retire? Because Anthony's a good left tackle. They have a good, strong relationship. They would know each other well. Uh, I think that in itself, the fact that Andrew Luck was encouraging him and helping him through that transition even speaks more to him not coming back. Now, would I love Andrew Luck to come back? Absolutely. Behind this offensive line, uh, he would do, be so much better than he even was when he was great behind the junk we had before. It was like a sieve, man. People would just come through and hit him constantly. I mean, that was the story of him as a quarterback. He would say, good hit, guy, <laughs> you know, because he was saying it all the time. Hey, good job lacerating my kidney. Loved it. Uh, I would love to see him behind an offensive line that could like give him the time. Oh, that would be so beautiful. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, let's move on. Uh, Homer highlights. I know we don't have a whole lot. Is there anything from Washington, Josh? I know you guys just hired a GM. What do you think about that hiring? You know, another former Panthers, uh, you know, office, office staff, I guess, guy. But he was a GM in Panthers for the Panthers, I think, to them. He, he drafted Julius Peppers. So I think it was 2001 to 2012. They fired him. And then they brought him back like five years later for a couple of years. And then they fired him again. So did he and work with he, Ron Rivera at all? Did they overlap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for like two or three years. And then he's in Washington now. So there's, you know, there's memes or whatever going out. We're the Washington Panthers now. Um, <laughs> I, I see it because, I mean, we got Scott Turner, we got Ron Rare, and we got uh, Herney, the new GM. But from what I've heard of him is he's actually not good. I mean, he's good in the first, he's good in the first round. Like he drafted John Beeson, Jordan Groats, Peppers, and then Cam Newton, of course. But like he's not good with the middle rounds, like two and three, and maybe in four and mm-hmm. late rounds. He's not good with cap space, just from like what hearing I've heard from other Panthers fans and like the comments on Twitter. I don't what I've heard he's not good, but of course I'm going to give him a shot because you know if Ron Rivera, you know what Ron Rivera's done is great it's through the full, like one full year, like what he's turned around is great. So if Ron Rivera trusts him, I'm on board with it. I'm not a fan of it, but I'm on board with it. And I'll see what happens. Yeah, it's one of those. It's like I'm not quite excited, but I'm willing to give yeah. you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Well, let's hope that yeah, turns out better in Washington than it did in Carolina. I mean, to really, to really be the, the Washington Panthers as a quarterback out there, Cam Newton. Wow. That could happen. He's, he's like looking for a suitor this year and they just got rid of Dwayne Haskins. That could happen. I do not want to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about the Chicago bears? I hear that uh, they're yeah. uh, getting rid of a quarterback as well. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mitch Trubisky's contract has uh, expired, as far as I know. No, no talks of extension. The Bears didn't make a deep, a deep playoff run, and that that seemed to be the final nail in in the Mitch Trubisky era in Chicago. So, gonna be looking for a quarterback. I don't know how we do that. Not a great draft pick. Let's go ahead and hear that stage. that crazy wish you were talking about. Yes. Okay. So the talk is Deshaun Watson and do the bears have the, that the resources to be the high bidder on Deshaun Watson? No, they don't. They probably don't. If you can though, if you can be the high bidder, do it. I don't care who you have to trade. Darnell Mooney draft picks, go throw 
throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at the Texans for Deshaun Watson. If you can make it happen, do it. Ryan Pace has been known to make the splashy trade. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack. He's been known to, you know, overpay at times. Khalil Mack. Even if he was the guy. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. That's- now, I don't know if you really overpaid for Khalil Mack, honestly. Right. I know Raiders fa- some Raiders fans seem to think they won that trade. I mean, Khalil Mack hasn't been everything we wanted, probably. Maybe not necessarily all his fault, but I don't know. The The Raiders overdrafted a a cornerback this year with the the number one pick and they also drafted a running back who doesn't who doesn't catch passes very well in josh jacobs how valuable is that really i don't know i'd, I'd rather have glue mac but if you're if you can make the trade make it happen overpay for him because you get the quarterback and everything not everything a lot of things fall into place. Go the, the stars and scrubs model of kind of like the Rams defense of just you get that stud as the quarterback and you can figure it out. I don't think they can make it happen, but if you can, you make it happen. I think through this offseason, um, Chicago and Indianapolis are going to be mentioned in a lot of articles together every time there's a quarterback. And I've already heard it with Sam Darnold. I've heard Sam Darnold would be great in Indianapolis. Sam Darnold would be great in Chicago. What do you think about some of these other possibilities that will inevitably, since you guys will need a quarterback, will be mentioned for Chicago? What do you think of a Sam Darnold? What do you think of, I don't know if a Carson Wentz would ever uh, think about going to Chicago. What do you think about some of these? I, I don't really hate any of them yet. I mean, Carson Wentz, you, you'd probably not have to eat all that contract. You, that would be a lot of the deal with the, the, the Eagles where they would probably have to take some of that. And I, I just don't, I wouldn't want you to overpay for one of those guys. If you can get Darnold for a, a third rounder. Sure. Why not? Let's try it. I don't feel great about it because <laughs> overall the, you know, Brian Pace, Mitch Trubisky was his guy, Matt Nagy, Nick Foles was his guy. Both of them, no. Over two. Over three, if you count Mike Glennon. <laughs> hey, he, he got he the, got the paid just signing. before they brought in uh, Mitch, right? <laughs> yeah, he was like the day. Guy. It's like here yeah, he we're paying to... this guy, and now we're drafting this guy the same day. <laughs> well, and they, no, and they signed him, and he thought he was the number one guy. Like I remember hearing about, he yeah. was pretty upset when they they drafted Mitch. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess he didn't know he was the bridge quarterback. He thought he was a starter, but. <laughs> That didn't work out. So I just don't, I don't trust their judgment. I'm just going to say whatever I, I'll, I'll come in with a, unless it's Deshaun Watson, you got to prove it to me. You got to show it to me because so far they haven't mainly though. The, the, the main focus for the bears is uh, defensive coordinator. Heard a bunch of different names thrown out. I've heard, I think one of their position coaches was someone who could be hired, but he's actually going to be on Brandon Staley's staff in LA. So he's off the table. You know, it's not like we're looking at former head coaches who were great defensive coordinators as potential candidates. It's the Cowboys, senior defensive assistant. It's position coaches. Yeah, the Cowboys were so good on defense this year, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no names in this defensive coordinator search where it's like, yeah, that guy that I know that I know him. Yeah, it's going to be some guy, this random guy who's in the league going to take over. Trying to, to trying to make a name. Prove it to me. You, yeah. you struck out with Chuck Logano. Vic Vangio was a great hire. What have you done for me lately? And Ryan Pace lately has not put together a good enough defense. So that's that's where we are with the Bears. It's at least you don't have to watch the the offense and this team just disappoint me for a while now. I can just kind of put that past me and focus on Illinois basketball, which has uh, disappointed me to this point as well, of course. <laughs> But, hey, they looked good last night, so that's that's where I'm at, fan-wise. Stuff happening in Chicago, but the only place that stuff is really still happening game-wise for our Homer highlights is Brandon Colmark's Packers. Well, I know we've already talked about that game that's just happened. We've talked, we're going to talk a little bit about the game coming up, so I know those are in different sections. But what about your Homer highlight? What's going on in Green Bay right now? Yeah, I got... Uh two quick things and I won't get into the game coming up. I've already gotten into the game beforehand, but a couple of weeks ago, some of you might remember there was an offensive lineman signed to the Colts named Jared Valdir. Yeah. Uh, and last week he was signed off of the Colts practice squad to come back to green Bay. Uh, and last year in the playoffs, green Bay just brought him back and had him start. And he did really well. He put up some pretty good blocking for the Colts 
two weeks ago as well. He was supposed to play this week for Green Bay, but came down with COVID. Mm. Uh, and it looks like he's getting out of this COVID protocol, so he actually might play this Sunday. And he will be the first person in NFL history to play two playoff games with separate teams. In the same year. In the same year. Yep. Yeah, that's like so pretty he, crazy in itself. <laughs> yeah, he did the wild card round with uh, Indy and their loss to Buffalo. And then he was supposed to be playing for us uh, against week. the Rams. Mm-hmm. And and he got sick and he might just come out of it and play against the Bucks. It would be kind of fun to watch. I'm, I like Jared Valdir. He's like a super chill dude if you ever watch any interviews on him. Uh, he's like a guy I just want to go hang out with and just talk to. Yeah, I'm hopeful uh, Jared Valdir will come out of COVID protocol. When he played for you last year, did you win? Yeah, we won two games with him. And then he, he lost came in one. at the end of the season, and then we lost in the championship. I was going to say, if he lost with you last year, and then he lost with the Colts this year, and then you guys lose this next game, do you think you're going to blame it on him? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> You'll blame it on uh, someone else, right? Yeah, Obviously well, Aaron Rodgers. There's always someone else to blame. The media will <laughs> the media will go to Aaron Rodgers and you know it's always the quarterback's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a if you have an awful defense, it's the quarterback's fault. Everything is the quarterback's fault in this league. I don't agree with that. I have different opinions. Uh, but my other thing that I wanted to bring up is Green Bay did have a, a running back injury and in kind of this triple headed monster backfield that we're operating with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Mr. Big Thighs himself, AJ Dillon. Uh <laughs> AJ Dillon did leave or he didn't leave the game, but he uh, had a quad injury, which is weird to think about. That's like the prime part of his body that he uses, <laughs> but he had a quad injury uh, against the Rams and he's hopeful to come back against the Bucks. I hope he does his first game against the Bucks. He put up like 34 yards on three carries. He did really well. And he's a guy that'll drag the pile an extra five yards. if He has to, if his quads working, he's very different from uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are also really good running backs. Well, we started off the playoff field this year, bigger than we've ever had because we had that seventh team in there. So we had 14 teams as we started the playoffs. Then we went to eight And that just happened last weekend, and we saw all the fireworks that happened there. But now, we're down to four. So with only four playoff teams left, we're going to get into the games coming up this week uh, in the two games that remain, and we're going to see who goes to the Super Bowl. But to do that, we're going to spend some good time breaking down both of these games. Brandon, why don't you kick us off with our championship weekend games? Yeah, so we'll go in order of how these games are actually going to be played. They're both played on Sunday. Uh, I was kind of hoping for a Saturday night and a Sunday night game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, we did not get that. So Sunday, January 24th, 2021 at 2.05 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Buccaneers will travel to the frozen tundra. And the weather report right now looks like maybe about 20 degrees before wind chill with snow. So this is <laughs> going to be a really fun game. Uh, as a Packers fan, I think the Packers are going to win, but I was looking at some of the pro football focus numbers and Green Bay is ranked number one overall as efficiency Mm -hmm. and Tampa Bay is ranked number two. So this is number one and number two teams, according to pro football focus going up against each other this week. I think the Packers pull out a win by at least 10 points. And that's, that's what I'm thinking. What do you guys got? Yeah. I think the big key in this game is can the bucks put, or can the Packers put pressure on Tom Brady? You've seen time and time again, he gets pressured. He's not the same quarterback, not as accurate. Although he is, he is someone where there's. I don't think you can look at the the narrative of it's the the Florida team going to the cold. Tom Brady played for a long yeah. time yeah. in the cold of, of Foxborough, so it's he's going to be well, well well equipped, ready to go for this one. I would say the Packers as well. They're favored by three. That that would be my pick to to pick the Packers to win in this one. They played so well as as you know, Brandon mentioned the defense doing a lot of things. Jair Alexander's looked great. The offense, assuming they convert in the red zone at their normal rate, they've got to be the favorites in here. But no doubt the Buccaneers are gonna, are 
capable of beating them. Yeah, I do want to point out, and this isn't anything against what Tristan said, and I, I know Tom Brady and Gronk and Antonio Brown, they've all previously played for pretty cold-weather teams, mm-hmm. uh, but most of the rest of this Tampa Bay team has not. You talk about Mike Evans, he's always been in Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin, he's a Tampa Bay guy. There's going to be a lot of adjusting from more than just a wide receiver, a quarterback, and a tight end that know what to expect from this sort of weather. You know, you get slow when it cools down. It's harder to bring up your hands at the right time. Uh, The defense can read you better. And that goes on both sides. But I think Green Bay is just a little more equipped for this weather. As as Brandon was saying, uh, the wide receivers, they have to, like, you know, react better. Chris Godwin, he has not been playing good. So I think they're going to have to depend on um, Antonio Brown and uh, the tight ends and then Mike Evans. But I feel like this game is going to be a game of who plays better on offense because both defenses, they're really good. They play at top notch. But both teams have a, a dual threat and even a triple threat in Green Bay of running backs with uh, Ronald Jones, Fournette, and then Dylan Williams and Jones. I just think it's going to be who plays better offense and whoever can t- contain the run better wins this game. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of flip that coin. <laughs> Sounds like the same argument, but I'm going to say it's the defense this week. Um, both teams have good offenses, number one and number two in efficiency. They can get it done. Which defense can step up and interrupt those offenses more? You know, uh, Tristan talked about rushing Tom Brady. You rush him, you get him off of his uh, rhythm. Things can get messy. Aaron Rodgers is a lot harder to interrupt because he loves living out of the pocket. I talked about that last week. I think in order for Tampa Bay to have a chance, Tampa Bay's defense has to look stellar this week. And uh, they have to somehow shut down Aaron Rodgers and and the rest of the offense. I think if that defense, whichever defense can step up the strongest, uh, is going to win. I think uh, Green Bay has the stronger offense, even though uh, Tampa Bay has a great offense. Tampa Bay has a lot of weapons. Um, I'm leaning toward Green Bay winning this one. And the only way I can see that changing is if Tampa Bay's defense gets on it. And Josh, what is your prediction for who will win the game? Probably Green Bay, just because they're at home. They know, like like you said, nobody except Gronk and Brady and maybe Tony Brown have played in the Colts, so they're like not used to it. Maybe in high in college or high school, or whatever. But they've been playing there for like five or so years or whatever in Tampa Bay, so they're not like equipped for it. But Green Bay is. They play there at home, you know eight times out of the year and then the last two games of the playoffs with the wind with the snow and i just think they're going to do better in the snow because they know how to play in all right let's go ahead and look at our afc championship game we have the bills at the chiefs at 5 40 p.m central standard time uh this is a game i think is gonna it's gonna be interesting and it's all gonna depend on how fast the nfl pushes patrick mahomes through covid protocol uh obviously Not covid concussion oh yeah sorry Concussion protocol, different, different C word. Yes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes through concussion protocol. And we might see a a sped up process by the NFL going for their poster boy. Tell you what. The past couple seasons. It's, it's going to be something that's under scrutiny though. Brett Favre has called out. This is a real, this is, this will be the test for the NFL. Do they push him through faster because they love him and want the game and the money or do they stick to actual true concussion protocols with health of the player in mind? That's going to be interesting because it's going to be it's going to be watched. If he comes into play, there's going to be a lot of talk about that. I personally like the Bills in this game. I think their offense against the Kansas City defense fares a lot better than the Kansas City defense against the Buffalo or the Kansas City offense against the Buffalo defense. And if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing or if he's only plays the first half of the game and gets injured again, it's a no-brainer. Josh Allen's going to go all over this Kansas City team. From a betting standpoint, the Chiefs are favored by three. You can get tremendous value just picking the money line, which is which team's going to win on the Bills to win. You know, since they're the underdog picking them to win, you get a little bit better odds. And they do have a chance to win, obviously, if, even if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. But if he doesn't, that line's going to go. They're going to probably flip that of Bills favored by at least three. So right now, if you wanted to take a chance and say, okay, Mahomes, maybe he's not going to get through protocol. I assume he will just because like we said, you know, it's the AFC championship game. This is, this is where Mahomes can really make that $500 million contract worthy is another Super Bowl run. But the bills, even if Mahomes does play, they've, they, they're coming off a really good defensive performance. You know, that offense is legit. And I would pick the bills to win this one as well. 
These are the number one and number two seeds in the AFC that was so heavily stacked that a 10 and five team did not make the playoffs much heavier uh, at the top than the NFC was. Uh, I think either team can win it. Uh, I'm going for this one strictly on my heart. I want the Bills to win. I've said it numerous times, <laughs> even numerous times this podcast. I'm done with the Kansas City Chiefs. Good job, Patrick Mahomes. Now let's move on. Let's let the Bills have some limelight. Let's get the Bills in against the Pack. That'll be great. Uh, so I'm voting for, rooting for, and all for the Bills. Yeah, I'm, I'm all Bills too. Josh Allen, I really think he's been playing better than Mahomes whenever he's not hurt. Even last game, like even when he didn't have con- his concussion, his leg, like he was hobbling around trying to make throws, it looked like. So it looked like he was hurt, like not only with his concussion, but somewhere else. Like he wasn't, he just wasn't playing right. Like it was one of his worst games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, like you guys said, Josh Allen going in that game with all the confidence, he, they only scored 10 points, Ravens, right? So like with all that confidence, with all that defensive confidence, I think they win the game and they make it to the Super Bowl and have a chance of winning one for the first time. Yeah, I, I want to point out something as a Packers fan, and I'm sure Bills fans feel the same way. If you're a Bills fan, you can write in and let me know if I'm correct on this. But if it's a Packers-Bills Super Bowl, and this next part will not happen. I already know that. <laughs> but I want to see the, the Super Bowl game move to MetLife yeah. and have an actual cold Super Bowl game <laughs> with two cold-weather climate teams. Will not happen. I, I think it would be fun. I know it yeah. won't happen. Uh, but Packers fans, and I'm sure Bills fans, would also like to see that. Yeah, what has been the uh, coldest Super Bowl game? Was it the one in Indianapolis? We no, had actually probably, very mild weather that year. That was indoors. The, it was yeah. probably the one at MetLife a few years ago when that was the new stadium, Broncos-Seahawks. That would be my guess. The, pretty much it's always been in warm weather. Yeah. The coldest Super Bowl on record... Uh, was in New Orleans before the Mercedes-Benz Superdome at 39 degrees in 1972. Uh, that, Which Super Bowl was that? Uh, Super Bowl four, seven. Super Bowl five. Who played? Seven. Viking Steelers, I think. It was Super Bowl six. Cowboys and Dolphins. Cowboys and uh, Dolphins. Cowboys and Dolphins down in New Orleans, and it's 39 degrees. That's an aberration. <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't a fan back then. Wasn't alive. <laughs> I was alive. Wasn't quite a fan yet. Didn't know about football at all. Well, guys, we are heading into championship weekend. It's going to be some exciting football, and we're going to have a big drought till next September, so enjoy these next few weeks. We'll catch you next week for more.